Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. So glad that you've joined us. Hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving last week and that you are in mind and heart preparing to worship the newborn King in this season of Advent. Let's now take some moments to prepare our hearts and minds to reflect upon God's Word by listening to some beautiful piano music. pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the gospel according to Luke, the 20th chapter, verses 19 through 26. Hear the word of God. When the scribes and chief priests realized that Jesus had told this parable against them, they wanted to lay hands on him at that very hour, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be honest in order to trap him by what he said and then to hand him over to the jurisdiction and authority of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you're right in what you say and teach, and you show deference to no one, but teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it lawful for us to pay tribute to Caesar or not? But he perceived their craftiness and said to them, Show me a denarius. And whose head and title does it bear? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, 
Well, then give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they were not able in the presence of the people to trap him by what he said. Being amazed by his answer, they became silent. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Stuart Hample and Eric Marshall several years ago published a little book called Children's Letters to God, a compilation of real children's letters to God. It's a tiny little book that doesn't take more than five minutes to read, though, but it's filled with wise and innocent and honest wonderments about God, questions children are less afraid to ask of God than adults. For example, Lucy writes, Dear God, are you really invisible or is it just a trick? Anita writes, Dear God, is it true my father won't get into heaven if he uses his bowling words in the house? From Jane, Dear God, instead of letting people die and having to make new ones, why don't you just keep the ones you got now? From Nan, Who draws the lines around the countries? Neil writes, Dear God, I went to this wedding and they kissed right in church. Is that okay? And from Donnie, Dear God, is Reverend Coe a friend of yours or do you just know him through business? From Joyce, Dear God, thank you for the baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. And from Peter, Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different camp this year. And then finally from Larry, Maybe Cain and Abel would not kill each other so much if they had their own rooms and worked with my brother. Out of the mouths of babes. Children, I suppose, allow themselves more than adults to wonder out loud about God. If you were once a parent of a young child, you remember the endless streams of questions that come from a child's lips. It usually starts with something innocuous. Mommy, where did this little leaf come from? And and the leaf, the leaf came from the tree, and where did the tree come from? The tree came from a seed, and where did the seed come from? The seed came from God, and where did God come from? Go ask your father. Ever since we were young, we have wanted to know about God. Tom Long, professor of preaching at Emory, tells the story of a young couple he knew who had a four-year-old and a new baby, which they had just brought home from the hospital. And one day, the four-year-old asked the parents if she could just have a couple minutes alone with the new baby. The baby was up in her crib. And the parents looked at each other, not knowing what plan might be afoot. But out of curiosity, they let their daughter have her couple minutes alone with the new baby, not without, of course, following quietly behind and peeking through the door crack to make sure that all was well. And what they saw was their four-year-old daughter standing up on a chair and leaning over the crib, and what they heard her say to this new baby was, tell me everything you know about God I'm already starting to forget. It doesn't take long for us to be an adult, for us to forget maybe all those things we believed about God at the beginning. Life gets complicated as an adult and the maze of faith and understanding and all the questions are difficult to traverse. How do we live in response to God? And who is God in the first place? And what does the Lord require of us? Good, honest, shall we say, childlike questions. 
It's unfortunate that the chief priests and the scribes in our story today had some malicious intent behind the questions that they asked Jesus about paying taxes to Caesar. It's a good question and one that has its root in some larger questions around our relationship with the government and with our own personal stewardship. It's just too bad the religious leaders were not really interested in discerning really what was in the mind and heart of God about these things, or that they, and if so, they might have been open to what Jesus had to say. It's the peril of being an adult. We lose our honest curiosity. We make up our minds about things, and there really isn't, and there really isn't anybody, not even Jesus himself, who's going to convince us otherwise. In a previous church I served, there was a guy who made it his regular practice to come out, of the, to come out the door after church and greet me and say, yeah, well, that's all well and good what you said in there, Reverend, but I live in the real world. Translation to that is, I'm really not interested in what Jesus has to say because it doesn't fit with what I need to do in the real world. So in this Advent and Christmas season, we prepare to consider what does it mean for God to come into the real world? How does God live in the real world? And what does God say about us living in the real world? What, what questions would we dare ask Jesus about life in the real world? And are we willing to risk hearing his answers? The scribes and chief priests ask Jesus a real-world question, and Jesus gives them a real-world answer, but it's God's real-world answer, and usually God's real-world answers take a lot to unpack. Render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar, and unto God the things that are God's. Well, that's an answer that I need to work on for a bit, and maybe I need to let it work on me. What does it mean for me to render unto God the things that are God's? I have to do some soul searching on that. And what do I have that really isn't God's? Well, go been going back to the beginning when the Creator knit me together in my mother's womb and fashioned my brain and personality and genetic predisposition that allowed me to navigate my life and pass my courses and prepare to say yes to God's call and allowed me to be a father and a husband and a grandfather and a pastor and a preacher. What of all that did not come from God? I dare say none of it. Render unto God the things that are God's. Does that mean my whole self? Seems so. And what would that look like? For each of us, it probably looks like something different, but it's the soul searching, I think, that counts. And it's the soul searching that matters when we anticipate once again the visit of God into the real world, entering as a child, a vulnerable child, God putting himself at our mercy, and then to anticipate the Bethlehem king eventually opening his mouth and telling us, what the way, the truth, and the life looks like in the real world. And then comes the moment of truth. Do I give myself over to this newborn king? Do I listen to what he has to say? And do I attempt to live the life he says is the only way to live? I suppose it takes from all of us a childlike curiosity and a childlike faith to say yes. So maybe it is true what they say about Christmas. That Christmas is for children, no matter what age we might be.
Let us pray. Lord God, help us this Advent to be born again, to remember the things of God we're already starting to forget, to listen to your answers and to give our lives over to understanding what all that looks like for each one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello and thanks for watching our devotions. I'm Geneviève Beauchamp and I'm here to remind you about one of our favorite events, our noontime concerts. On December 7th, you'll have the chance to hear the very talented Jenny Kim Godfrey and her husband, John Godfrey, in our sanctuary. You can purchase your ticket online, which includes a soup and salad lunch in the campus center or buy it in the office. So bring a friend and enjoy some fellowship and some great music.